Has anybody noticed in the last few months things are a little crazy in the world we live in? You'd have to be under a rock or in the grave to not know that it's nuts out there. You know, it's not as if the virus isn't bad enough. Obviously, you know, hear my heart and hear what I'm saying. It's a tragedy in so many people's lives. It is, it's not something that's been made up. But even a, maybe in the long term, a greater tragedy will be what fear and isolation has done to people and the division and strife that is causing in the world and in God's own church. It's crazy. And if that isn't enough, we're in a political season. Geez, don't you love that? It's ugly. It's all out there screaming at us, drawing our attention to one thing or another. And then we have the riots and the violence. You turn on your televisions and we see cities burning. There's people that are on all extremes out there. and Some are hurting, some are just violent, some are, who knows what they're all doing. But I do know this, once again, it's screaming for your attention. For our attention. All these are serious things, but they're distractions. If we allow them to become distractions and cause us to take our eyes off the Lord. And then as if things couldn't get any worse, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies. And it's like throwing more fuel on already a roaring fire in our nation. We can get distracted. I believe the enemy wants us distracted. You know, God has a plan for his church. We're to make a difference in the world. And if these things can distract us such that we are no different from the world, the devil's winning in that area. We need to make sure that as the church, the body of Christ, as the local church, as parts of the body of Christ, We are living differently than the world. We're not putting our head in the sand. And we're not to diminish any of the things that I just mentioned. But they are nothing. You know, I don't think God woke up one day and said, where the heck did the virus come from? He's not scratching his head trying to figure out how to stop the riots. He already has a clue who the next justice might be. So what are we so worried about? Again, not putting our head in the sand, but it should be driving us as the church to pray, at the very least, to pray and keep our eyes on him and not let it distract us from our real calling, individually and corporately as the church, the body of Christ. It has become such a distraction. It's taken our eyes off of the things that are really important, really important. You know... The virus is gone tomorrow, not everything in this nation is better. The violence stops tomorrow, it's still a mess in this nation. No matter who the justice is, it's not going to fix our problems. No matter who wins the election, we aren't going to all of a sudden discover heaven on earth or hell on earth. Is it or isn't it in God's control? Does he know what's happening or doesn't he? 
That doesn't mean we sit on our hands and do nothing, but we keep our eyes focused on the one who has the answers, who has the solutions. And according to what I understand about the Bible, he chooses every leader. We have a role to play in choosing every leader because we live in a country where we can vote. So we do have a role. So we don't want to get lazy there either. I mean, the Christians need to rise up and vote, and they need to vote from a biblical worldview. I personally don't care whether they're a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative or, or Norwegian. <laughs> well, I am a little biased. No. He's going to accomplish his will. For this nation. He's either going to bring people into office and leadership at every level that are bring honor and glory unto him, or he's going to bring people into the office that are going to give the people on this in this nation what we deserve. And in either case, it's to bring him glory. Wow, this commercial got way longer than it was supposed to. <laughs> Believe it or not, I think this will tie into my message. My message title is Why Go to Church? Why go to church? Now, whether you're here listening or if you're at home listening online, this is not a rebuke. That is not my intentions whatsoever. And when I talk about going to church, it certainly is not about attendance numbers. It's not about seeing chairs filled and counting and say, wow, we have this many people. That's not what it's about. God's really not interested in attendance, I don't think unless it's a place where God's moving, then it's probably a good thing. It's not about those things. Church, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, to the end of Revelation, the local church has an important role to play. All the way through it. All the way through it. God has a purpose for the church. It's to bring Him glory. It's to continue to build the kingdom. That's the kingdom. But it's also to minister to the body of Christ, to build us up, to encourage us, strengthen us, edify us. There's a reason that we should gather together corporately. When I talk about church and why go to church, I'm not talking about the building. In this part of the country, we need a building, especially in the winter. I'm not talking so much about that. I'm talking about a a living body, a living organism that gathers together and comes together for what I believe God has ordained is a number of good reasons to come together. Now, there are reasons. And golly, in our culture today with the distractions, I mean, the statistics out there is whether they're accurate or not. Um, I was at a conference Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning, and one of the questions everybody asked is, how's your church doing? I said, well, first of all, it's not my church. And it's doing sort of okay, I think. I mean, what attendance are you getting? I don't know, maybe about half. He says, oh, you're doing great. That's better than the average out there. And they're saying, what are you doing to get the people back? He says, it's not my job to get the people back. The Holy Spirit's job. But but I really felt the Holy Spirit in the last two weeks putting a message on my heart that we need to understand why it's important to gather together with the body of Christ, why it's important to gather together from His perspective. You know, we've got this wonderful online option, and it is a wonderful thing, but it's not God's intention. There's a reason. We all 
may have to at one time or another watch online. Right now, these days, if there's physical issues that we need to be careful about, absolutely. Praise God, we've got online services. Praise God, there's other ministries online and on the TV. That's awesome. That is not the local church gathering together. We've got all of our things in our culture in this world competing against the church. Now, I'm pretty ancient, but I remember when you better have gas in your car on Saturday because there isn't even going to be a gas station open on Sunday. You better have food because you aren't going to go to a grocery store. It's not open. And as far as school events, sporting events, athletic events on a Sunday, it didn't happen. Now we've got all of these things competing. And I'm not saying good, bad, or otherwise. I'm just saying this is reality. But what happens is it's a real reality check on our priorities. And they can become distractions. And I I understand that all of us are going to have those times when we we miss something and we can use the online or whatever. Fantastic. But it's not church the way I believe God intended it. I'm going to attempt to answer the question, why go to church? And you could come up with about, you know, a whole bunch of points and a whole bunch of different directions. I'm actually, my major points here, I'm stealing from a pastor's sermon I came across a few weeks online. It was part of a sermon series that uh, Pastor Robert Morris was giving to his church down at uh, Gateway Church, I believe, is in Texas. Now, the points, the major points were his. Now, don't blame him for everything I put under those points. It's not his fault. But the three points were this. Why go to church? Because of God's presence, God's power, and God's people. When I heard that message from him, and, and, and again, not that what I'm going to look at is better than what he pointed out by any means, but I think it's different in application for different people where they're at. When I looked at this, God's presence, and that's where I want to start, God's presence. And I'm going to break it into three different types of his presence, realizing you really can't separate them. Okay? I get that. And if you understand the first one, omnipresence, you notice you can't, you'll know you can't separate that from the other two. What is the omnipresence of God? It's an attribute, a characteristic of God. It's God omnipresence. He is everywhere at all times. He is present everywhere. You know, uh, with the omnipresence of God, you may or may not sense his presence with your normal senses. But trust me, he's there. Jeremiah 23, 24, can anyone hide in a secret place? If you think you're hiding from God some days, good luck with that. You're not. Can anybody hide so that he cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not fill, do I not fill heaven and earth? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? Am I not everywhere? Proverbs 15, 3, the eye of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are Everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. That one, if we meditate on it for just a second, should give us cause to consider where we're at, what we're doing. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere on good and evil. And probably one of the, the, the more poetic scriptures is in Psalms 139. And you could pick so many other scriptures. 139 verse 7 where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. 
If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, or if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. His omnipresence. God is everywhere. But as I said, we may or may not sense it, but the Word of God is true. We need to be reminded of that. He is always there. Always. Then there is the inner presence of God. The inner presence. Meaning in us. The inner presence of God. We talk about this so many times in so many different ways. We mentioned it this morning. We sing about it. But goodness sakes, church, he's in us. My mind doesn't work in understanding that. The God who just spoke and everything exists came into being. Now he chose to live in me and you. He lives in us. Scripture is crystal clear on this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple, the place where he resides? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We're not our own. We belong to him. He lives in us, his inner presence. 2 Corinthians 1, 22, set his seal of ownership on us. God set his seal of ownership on us. And what is that seal? And he put his spirit in our heart as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And again, I'm not going to try to parse all these verses, but again, just think about that. When you read things like that, think about that. God lives in me. Wow, that's astounding. What could be better? Oh, that's just a deposit? That's just a deposit indicating what's coming? Oh, my goodness, what must be coming? What must be coming? Deuteronomy 31.8. We quote part of this verse anyway quite often. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you, and he will never, ever leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Boy, we need to take that verse and the other two verses we just shared and then look at reality around us and what's taking place. Say, wait a minute, what, what am I afraid of? What am I discouraged about? Yeah, from our perspective, it's not good. It's just not good. But what is God going to bring out of it? There are so many good things going on in the midst of this ugly scene we're seeing around our nation. Many of you may be seen on, on your social media. There's a ministry going around all these cities where there's been riots. Praise and worship music. They've been baptizing people in rivers and in tanks. People are getting saved by the hundreds, just blocks from where they're burning buildings. God is moving. Anybody pay attention yesterday? I didn't have a chance. I was in meetings, but there was a small gathering in Washington, D.C. Somewhere between 50 and 70,000 people praying in Washington, D.C. 
We don't know what God's going to use and how he's going to use it. Therefore, he lives in us, and it's not a spirit of fear. It's not a spirit of discouragement. It's not a spirit of blindness or ignorance, but it should give us peace in the midst of the storm so that when the world looks at us, and we're going to look at a scripture that Moses spoke, when the world looks at us, they see something different. It's so easy to get sucked in to the political arguments. It's so easy to get all sucked into this whole virus thing and all the closings and the masks and you name it. It's so easy to get into a discussion and and not a very nice one lots of times about the violence that's taking place. And I'm not justifying any or all of those things, but what I'm saying is, do you sound just like the world? Do I sound just like the world? It's a snare that's easy to step into. Because when I look at my position, I'm assuming you already all know this, I'm right. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you think you are too. It doesn't mean we don't share opinions. It doesn't mean we don't share truths. But whatever we do, we need to remember that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And he's there watching because he's omnipresent. And he's inside you trying to to speak to our spirit and hoping that we'll listen and bring glory to God. The inner presence of God and the manifest presence of God. What does it mean, manifest presence of God? This is one of those things that you sometimes hardly want to even bring it up. You know why? Because an aspect of it can be subjective. And I mean, you can't really measure it. And when things get subjective, it can sometimes be easily abused. And talk about a sin that we don't want to get involved with. But it can be easily abused. Oh, you feel the presence of God? You see the angels? And I'm going, no, it's dry bones. Then you've got to ask the question, is it me or is it no manifest presence? The manifest presence, what does that mean? It manifests simply means that God is being made known in a way that we can actually sense, feel, know. In the Old Testament, there was a cloud by day and a fire by night. God was leading the people. And we can look through the Old Testament and they've manifested his presence. Does he manifest his presence today? Lots of different ways but in ways that we can typically recognize with our senses. We need to understand that I believe, and I'll be weak on Scripture and verse for this so you know, I believe God manifests His presence in exponential ways when God's people gather together in unity and purpose. He can manifest His presence presence, any place, anywhere, anytime he wants. It may just be you and him. But in my experiences, which I do not build doctrine on, it seems that when the people come together, there is something that happens in greater and greater ways. You know, I hope you, we've showed it here a couple times, once in a healing or service or an evening service. It was an evening service on the uh, gathering when we were talking about uh, our new website and all of that. 
the video, uh, Stories of Victory. We had uh, Mike Fox, Monty Lyson shared, uh, Barb Lipinski shared. I think that was the three. And I've listened to that twice just in the last uh, 24 hours. And the things that struck me were what happened and what they said and where it took place in the local gathering. Mike Fox's testimony was, I came into this place that I really didn't want to go to because they're a weird church. And I wrote down his exact two words that caught my attention, three words. All of a sudden, my emotions poured out. I didn't know what the world was going on. But I felt that thing. I felt something that wasn't natural, wasn't normal for me in the presence of God's people in the local church. God manifested his presence in a supernatural way that got his attention. Monty talked about, you can correct me being you're in the front row, but Monty, a couple of the things that he said so caught my attention were when he was in the church, he felt acceptance. Acceptance. He felt like family. Those things encourage us. They strengthen us. They build us up. You're not going to get that watching a sermon on TV. We need the body of Christ around us. Barb Lipinski shared a testimony of physical healing. Where did it take place? Trust me, I know Barb. That wasn't the first time she prayed for her physical ailment. But one night, gathered together at a worship and healing service with the body of Christ, the Lord touched her, manifested his presence in a supernatural way, and healed her in a corporate gathering. I'm going to read in Exodus again. This is Moses having a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord says to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. How many of us need some rest? Experience the presence of God. But what's said after that is what I really want to draw attention to. Then Moses said to him, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. Lord, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. Please, don't make us go. And then he says these words. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? And the very last part really struck me. What else will distinguish me and your people from all other peoples on the face of the earth? It's his presence. I mean, if his presence doesn't, isn't here when we gather together as a body of Christ, it could be any social gathering anywhere. Anywhere. I mean, you could have a social gathering where they even open and close in prayer and it's still not church. The presence of God. And Moses is saying, Lord, if your presence is with us, how will they know we're different than them? Man, has there ever been a day where the world needs to know we're different than them? More than today, probably. But this is the one we're living in. The world needs to know that we're different. 
God, how will they know if your presence isn't with us? His omnipresence is always there. His inner presence is always there in the life of a believer. Is his manifested presence. Is he manifesting himself through you and through me? For example, are you manifesting the love of Jesus to people? It's the agape love can only come from him. Are you manifesting the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the storms that are all around us? We can manifest his presence because he lives in us. The presence of God. The second thing, and they overlap, is the power of God. There seems to be, again, scriptures that we can look at. Matthew 18. Something I hadn't really caught or focused on before was one little tiny word. In, in the NIV, I think, is what I have here. It's only a three-letter word. In other translations, it uses a different word. Seven letters, if I counted or spelled it right. Read, here's the scripture. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Awesome. Power of God. The next word, for, because. It's a connecting word. It's telling us, here's why. Here's why. And what does it say? Because where two or three of you come together in my name, there I am with them. When we gather together, there I am. When we come together, two or three, two or three hundred, two or three thousand, but when we gather together, and I believe as a local church, power of God will be released. And we may think we don't see that often because we don't see people getting out of wheelchairs and jumping up hills. We have seen the power of God. Anybody in here been saved in a local church service? Don't have to raise your hands, but you can if you'd want. It's the power of God. Anybody been set free of guilt, shame, condemnation? It's the power of God. And in my experiences, most of the time, it happens when we're together. Years ago, and I, I watched a video this week, and I even sent it to... Bob and Johnny Miller and a couple people. That it was of the Smithton Revival, the Smithton Outpouring back in ancient days for some of you. It was back in the late 90s when it started. We went down there. Why? Wanted to experience the presence of God in greater ways. And it seemed like he was showing off in, in, in Smithton, Missouri. And he was. But there was one message that really stuck in my head. I don't remember a lot of things, but this message stuck in my head. It was about the power of all. Some of you that were there may remember it too. The power of all. When we all gather together in one place, in one mind, one accord, one spirit, there is an exponential release of the power of God because people gather together. It will be done for you because God is there with you. God's presence is there. when God, the, God's power is there. And again, the overlap, you can't separate. Where God's presence is, there's always power, right? Always. But it seems like 
when we come together corporately because the church is his idea. And again, I just want to stress, this isn't about number counting. I hope you get that. I want to read one more scripture about the power of God in a little bit different way. It's from Psalms 92, verses 12 through 15. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will stare by fruit in their old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Be planted. Be planted in the house of the Lord. Be planted in a community of believers. Be planted. We have had some uh, prophetic words over people whose intentions weren't to stay planted here. Brian and Mindy could probably attest to that. They had plans to go on. And when they, before they had any children, they were going to leave and go to the cities and God was going to use them in the cities and Mindy was going to become a chiropractor. And Great plan. Then God prophesied through someone. Who was it? you remember? Glenn Ferris. You're right where God wants you. They planted. Where God plants us, His blessings flow. Brian and Mindy made a hard choice, especially Mindy. She had a dream to be something other. God said, No. This is where you want to be. Glenn and Karen Larson. They were older. They were getting ready to work less and retire. They were going to travel. They were going to get a trailer. Pull that trailer around the United States. Here we go. We worked our whole lives. Here we go. Thus saith the Lord. God's got you right where he wants you. He's not through with you yet. Plant yourselves right here. In obedience, they planted themselves. Be planted. Let the power of God work in our lives where he plants us. Doesn't mean he doesn't transplant us sometimes, because he does. But we want to know he's the one transplanting us. God's presence, his power, and then, not least by any means, God's people. Why go to church? Because God's people gather together corporately in the church. God's people. Why is that such a big deal? And again, there's exceptions to most everything I'm saying today. But God's power and his presence generally manifests through his people. God uses his people. Can he do it on his own supernaturally with you just locked in your prayer closet? Absolutely. Can he come and visit somebody in a jail cell and there's no one else there and he manifests and somebody gets saved because they just met Jesus? Yes, he can. Absolutely. 
like more of those, actually. But God's people, we need people. We need brothers and sisters in Christ. Anybody ever heard anybody say, well, I kind of, it's just a me and God thing. Now, before somebody corrects my grammar, I know it should be God and I, but that's not what they say. It's just me and God. I get closer to God by going out in my grove and sitting by an oak tree. Well, that's nice. I hope he's there. It's not designed to be a me and God thing alone. It is part of it. Absolutely. You better have that personal relationship with the Lord. And it's important. But that's not why how we design church. Matter of fact, I've taken a little liberty with Genesis, but Adam and Eve, Adam says, it's not good for him to be alone. Not good for man to be alone. It's a privilege to be a part of God's people. You know, in the Old Testament, when he was really establishing his people, Israel, he called them his people. First Peter 2.10, New Testament. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are the people of God. We are the people of God. Romans 9, I will call them my people, those that were not my people, but they are now. We're his people gathered together. And remember when, when Jesus was talking to one of the legalists, he's, he said such to him, you know, Lord, um, teacher, I think he called him teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, well, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Relationship. We can paraphrase that. You need a relationship with Jesus. And he said, and the second is to love the neighbor as yourself. Relationship. When you look at those two greatest commandments, have a relationship with the Lord and have a relationship with people. We are part of the body of Christ, gathering together as the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, when you gather together, everyone is a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. When you look at that verse, look at it this way once. God might give Jaron what I need today with whatever gift he's put in her. God ministers to us through someone else's giftings. We all come together and bring our gifts together, but if we're never together, we're never going to get that blessing, never going to get ministered to by their gifts. Every single one of us have a gift. I believe if you're planted in this church, you're here for a reason. God brought you into the body of Christ for your gifts to be used to minister, build up, edify, strengthen, encourage, comfort, the body of Christ. That happens when we gather corporately. You know, you can send me a Facebook message if you want or a text and I'll like it. But it's not like when you come up to me and say, Brother Mike, i got a word for you. Or, you know, I'm just so appreciative of you because you did this, that, or the other. It doesn't work quite as well through a text. 
gathering together as a body of Christ. We need one another. We all bring something that someone else needs. You realize that? These gifts that we covet so much sometimes and we can get proud of sometimes if we don't watch ourselves, we need to realize God gave them to you for someone else. That's why he gave them to you. They are to build up the body of Christ. And this is a wonderful place to build up the body of Christ when we gather together. We need each other. We need each other. I don't know about you, but two weeks ago when Casey organized the outdoor service, I left that outdoor service feeling good, but not probably what you're thinking for. I got to see faces I hadn't seen since February, and your faces blessed my socks off. And I get it. I'm not judging anybody where you've been. I just missed you. You're important to me. And you're part of the body of Christ. You're part of this body that God's brought together. We want relationship. We need relationship. Some of you didn't even, I didn't even get to say hi to, but I saw you. And it was like, ah, God, I haven't seen them for so long. I miss them. I miss them. One last scripture. One you've heard used before. You know, when I think about a message like you need to go to church or why you should go to church, I always get in the back of my mind, well, it's kind of like a message. We all need to be generous in tithes. And right away the church goes like this and says, boy, this is a self-serving thing. I hope you understand. This is as far as thing I can think of from self-serving. And we will look at this verse in Hebrews. It's one that sometimes gets accused. Ah, you're just telling us we need to come to church so we can brag about how many people came. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For who he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I don't want to make too big a deal out of this because that word assembling and some, I think translations just gathering or something like that, but it can have two distinct meanings. It can have the assembling together meaning we are just coming together as gathering. Or you can be assembled together. All the parts being brought together as the body of Christ, each part fitting perfectly in its place to benefit the rest of the body. When we forsake the assembling together, when we forsake that, you know, I don't know when the Lord's going to use you or use me to really impact another person's life, to speak life into their soul at that very moment when they need it. But I can pretty well guarantee you this, if you're not there, you won't get to do it. I believe the grace of God will raise someone else up. But I know in my own life, it's such a blessing to be able to be used by the Lord to minister His love or encouragement. And we're the ones missing out on the blessing because we weren't there. And notice the last part of that verse. All the more, it is even more important as the day grows near. What day? The day of his return. And we are living in days of craziness. I mean, I could, and I'm sure you can, 
we could look in Revelation and say, holy cow, we are getting close. It's just unfolding before us. And we wouldn't be the first people in history to say that. I understand that. But man alive, I do know this for sure. However far back in history they said that, we are a whole lot closer today than they were. We need to be gathering together even more as that day draws near. Why? Because as that day draws near, all hell is going to break loose in the world around us. And it is. And it is. And it can suck the life right out of us. If we are not careful, it can steal our hope, our peace, our joy, our faith. But as we gather together, we can kind of keep each other on track. One of the things Monty mentioned kind of in passing in his testimony on that video was, and to keep you accountable too. We need to be accountable to one another. You see me getting out of line, you need to let me know, please. We need to be held accountable to one another as we gather together and all the more as the days approach. And you could look through Acts chapter 2 when the church is established, gathering together. Yes, sometimes it was in homes, but you might also notice they gathered together daily at the temple in one of the outer courts, teaching, admonishing one another. Signs and wonders occurred. There are so many good things, so many reasons that the Lord has for creating the local church besides counting numbers and filling chairs. And it's a blessing to us. The worship team would come forward. We'll close with one more worship song. I want to pray with us. And really, I pray that no one hears this, either here or online, as a rebuke. But to be encouraged that God has a purpose for the local church. And there's blessings for us in the local church. Father, I pray that you would just speak to each one of our hearts, God, about being part of the body of Christ, finding our place within the body of Christ, planting ourselves in the body of Christ. Father, seeking those gifts that you have for us and where we can have opportunity to use them in the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for each one in every local church that gathers together. I pray that your presence would be there in a very real way, in a way that, that manifests itself in changed lives, transformed lives. Father, I do pray as we continue to go out into the world with chaos around us, the storms around us, that we go out into the world as ambassadors for Jesus, knowing the Holy Spirit lives in us and that your Spirit brings joy, love, hope, peace in the midst of storms.